You know, this past week we visited a missionary couple living near Orlando. And this was a couple, their names are Rob and Cheryl Ketchum. They spent more than 30 years in Paraguay and Bolivia reaching a remote jungle tribe with the gospel. You know, our kids had really no idea what they were in store for when we pulled up this nondescript little house. We went in, sat in some um, kind of makeshift chairs in their living room and began to just have a conversation. Uh, but the kids started to get clued in to what kind of people these were when they took us into their back room, Rob's study, and we began to look at artifacts. And there were a few kind of primitive handworking tools, because this had been a primitive nomadic tribe when they began to reach them with the gospel. But the majority of things in the artifacts were what, Caleb? Weapons. Weapons, right. There were all kinds of different weapons that had different functions. In fact, there was a picture of a gentleman who had been speared through the head and survived. And so the kids realized that this was no ordinary couple that we were dealing with. These people were special. You know, when Rob and Cheryl first began working with the IRS, they were a violent, nomadic, and primitive people. They spent a lot of their time sharpening their weapons because they were going to be doing battle with the oil employees in the area, do battle with the other tribes in the area, and they were very insecure and violent people. But one woman shared that the reason that this tribe was open to modernizing was they were tired. They were tired of dying. They were tired of dying from sickness. They were tired of dying from conflict with other tribes. And they were tired of dying from conflict with these oil workers who were aggressively encroaching on their area. They were ready for a change. These people were ready for a change. And God in his sovereignty knew that. But it wasn't going to happen unless there were people who were willing to uproot their family, their two small children at the time, leave behind the comforts and conveniences of home, and sacrifice decades of their lives just so the IRS would have a chance to know Jesus. And in fact, you know, they are spending their twilight years at a missionary retirement center surrounded by missionaries who have also given up much for the sake of the gospel. Even still, they're serving. But what's amazing is when you spend time with Robin Cheryl, there's no hint of regret. There's no hint of bitterness at what they've given up. In fact, there is an irrepressible, deep joy that they have had the privilege of serving the Lord and the IRS people in this way. And so here they are spending their twilight years caring for other missionaries, some of the most gentle, gracious, and joyful people you would ever want to meet. And after spending an evening with such people, it leaves a deep impression. And you leave with a sneaking suspicion that they've been let in on some kind of secret. You know, because you and I, we're so busy every day, right? We're so busy out there earning a living. We're so busy out there trying to position ourselves for the future, to plan for retirement, to plan for that time when we can enjoy ourselves and kind of live the good life. But these people have been let in on a secret. And the secret is that sacrifice, sacrifice is a catalyst for hope. Sacrifice is a catalyst for hope. They know they can't fix everything, but these people have done everything they can to fix something. They've given up much. You know, in life, we all understand this principle. Why do you give? Why do you give? What do you think? Why do you give your time? Why do you give your efforts? Why do you show up at work every day? To receive, right? You give to get. And everybody understands that, right? 
mean, you get up every day, you put in your eight hours, you put in your 40 hours, you put in your 20, 30 years for the company, and you're doing that so that you can receive something in return. We give our time, our talent, and our resources in order to give something in return. But the truth is that if all, if we give all of ourselves to get, if you give all of yourself, all of your time, all of your energy, all of your years on this earth to get, you'll end up with regrets. I gave so much, and look what I got in return. Right? I mean, you give all your effort at work, and look, at this is all I got in return was this salary, was this small amount of vacation time. I gave all this time, all this energy, all these efforts, and all I got was this kind of this vacation home or, or whatever it is that you got in return. If you gave all of yourself just to get, you're going to end up with regrets. Because inevitably, in some ways, you're going to feel like you gave more than you got, right? I mean, you gave everything you had, and you only got so much in return. But God's math is different. God's math is different. When we choose to give not to get, when you choose to give not to get, this is something you will never, never, never. When you choose to give, not to get, it's something you will never regret. In the case of Rob and Cheryl, they've given so much because God inspired them to love much. And though they received nothing tangible in return, they're living in a little apartment with borrowed furniture in Sanford, Florida, not even Orlando. But they don't have a single regret. You know, the concept of sacrificial living has always been a central theme in the life of the believer. You ever heard a sermon about that? Sacrifice. Following in Jesus' footsteps. The disciples understood in order to follow Jesus, they would have to leave the comforts of home and give up their nets to follow this calling. But unfortunately, this idea seems to be lost for many of us today, doesn't it? The idea of sacrifice, giving things up. We must be challenged to return to this way of thinking, but the reason is better. Than this. It's better than just God requires it. Some of us have a misconception about God. We think what God wants from us, what God wants from you and he wants from me, is he wants white-knuckled, right, joyless obedience. He wants you to be like a robot. He wants you to give everything up. He wants you to sign, sign a blank check that he can fill in the amount anytime he wants to. And that's our view of what God wants from us. But in keeping with God's character, his desire for us to live sacrificially is not just for his glory. It's not. It's also for our benefit. God loves you. He doesn't want things from you. He wants things for you. If you will give of yourself, your time, your resources, and your talents sacrificially in the service of others, then you can be used by God to be a catalyst You know when you see it, don't you? When you see somebody who's given something up, they're sacrificing, they're serving, they're lowering themselves. You never forget it. It makes an impression, and it restores. Don't we say this? When I saw that person, when I heard that story, and I wish there were more stories like this on the news. Sadly, they focus on the negative. But it restores our faith in humanity. It restores our faith, our hope that there is something better possible. So what is sacrifice? Sacrifice means the giving up of something highly valued for something even more desired. So it's a bit like a trade, right? You trade something in, you get something back. In other words, when approaching a trade of any kind, 
The trick is to give up something of value in order to obtain something of equal or greater value, right? Preferably greater. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right. You want something of greater value if you're going to give something up. And the only time that we're willing to trade in, right? You ever done a trade in? What have you traded in? Car. Okay, that's an easy one. Time. What? Time. Trade in time. That, when, when are we willing to do a trade in? When we, when we believe it's a trade up. We're willing to trade in when we feel like it's a trade up. The most famous verse in the New Testament regarding sacrifice is found in Romans 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And my goal today is to convince you that sacrificing for the Lord's sake is a choice you will never regret. But first, let's spend a few minutes discussing a few of the characteristics of biblical sacrificial living. The first point today is that sacrificial living is personal. Sacrificial living is personal. Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So Jesus is saying, take up your cross. Now there's a little tidbit in the New Testament. Jesus was trudging up the road to Calvary. He's carrying the rugged cross on his back. And there's a gentleman named Simon of Cyrene who's just out there in the crowd. And a Roman soldier selects him, calls him up. He takes the cross off Jesus' back, puts it on the, on the, on the back of Simon temporarily, and he relieves Jesus of the burden of carrying his cross. But after a very short period, probably a lot shorter than Jesus wished, the Roman soldiers require that the cross be returned to the cross bearer. And that's because it was Jesus' cross to bear. And as we see clearly in the example of Jesus, when Jesus chose to bear his cross, when he chose to bear the cross that God had given him to bear, we all benefit. So too with us. I don't know what cross, what burden God has called you to bear in this season of your life. But I know this, when you and I will choose to bear those crosses, those burdens, willingly, when we'll choose to bear them faithfully, we won't be the only ones who benefit. In fact, many of our societal problems can be traced to decisions made by individuals who have chosen not to bear their burdens. They said, this burden is too heavy. It's inconvenient. I don't want it. I'm going to lay it down. So what is God asking you to carry? But be encouraged by this. Unlike Jesus, who on the cross said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? You've given this burden to me to bear all alone. I'm all alone. But that's not the case with us. In fact, Jesus says, I will never leave you like he was left. I will never forsake you like he was forsaken because of our sin. We don't have to carry those burdens alone. He's going to carry them. Second point today is that sacrificial living is not just personal. Sacrificial living is daily. Look back at that same verse, Luke 9, 23. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily 
So he says, take up your cross daily. You know, Romans 12, if you look back at it, it instructs us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Now, what do you all know about the Old Testament system of sacrifice? How did it work? Animals, okay. Blood. What kind of animals? I skipped that part. You skipped it? Okay. A little bit too gruesome for you. So you take a, a perfect spotless lamb that you have raised in your own home, and then you take that lamb after raising it to a certain age, it's a perfect, blemished, unblemished lamb, and then you yourself take that lamb, put it on the altar, and you kill it. You slit its throat. And it's a symbol of the fact that that animal is dying in your place. But in the Old Testament, how many times could you offer a sacrifice? That same sacrifice. It's not a trick question. How many times could a lamb be offered? One time, right? I mean, this is a one-time deal. You can offer that lamb one time. But God is calling us to something different. He's calling us to be a living sacrifice. So what do you think that means? We are called, go ahead. As many times as we want, but do we want to? We can offer ourselves as many times as we want. We're called to be a living sacrifice, to make a continual and constant offering of ourselves. But sadly, many of us are like this. First few years we lived in China, we were annoyingly dependent on public transport. You ever been in a situation like that in a city? You didn't have a rental car. You didn't have your own car. You had to ride the bus. Ugh, right? You had to take a taxi. Anybody ever gotten reamed by a taxi driver? You know, paid a little bit more than you should have. You know, when you're the dumb foreigner, that kind of happens. But, you know, it would be raining sometimes, and we needed a taxi, and there was nothing more disheartening than we, we would wait and watch at the corner, poor little kids getting drenched in the rain, struggling under their umbrellas, and you see a cab coming, and there's no for hire sign. Well, you see another cab come. There's a four hire sign on that. It's lit. The beacon's lit. But there's somebody else in the back seat. Oh, man. Well, finally, after what seemed like forever, we'd see a taxi come along. And they'd have their beacon lit. And we'd wave them down. And they'd slow down and look at us and go. Wave us off. It was so frustrating. It's like... What is going on here? Well, we found out later they were required to work to a certain time. And when they got close to that time, when it was time to go home, they would keep the beacon lit. But they had no intention of being bothered with passengers. They would keep the beacon lit and give out false hope to us people standing in the rain. But they had no intention of being bothered with passengers. How many of us are guilty of the same thing? Right? Our beacon is lit. I got the, we got the bumper sticker, the cross jewelry, the keychain, the framed verses in the house. We got the knickknacks. Got some in my office. Our beacon is lit. We are Christians, right? We even got the t-shirt. But when presented with an opportunity to serve, we practice selective attention. Women, how many of your husbands are guilty of this? How many of your children? I'm sorry I didn't hear you, right? I, didn't, I was standing right beside you. I, 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 I just didn't hear you, right? 
I was distracted. Sorry, God, I was a little bit distracted, huh? You know, God, I'm busy. I've got job responsibilities, family responsibilities, financial responsibilities. I've got crisis over here. I've got crisis over there. The dishwasher just blew up. I mean, I'm a little bit distracted, God. So sometimes we're like that, right? We've got our beacon lit, but we're not really available. In our hearts, we're kind of, we just consider ourselves off duty, off the hook, because we're busy. But sacrificial living is not just personal, but it's daily. Finally, sacrificial living brings hope, as we've already discussed. It brings hope. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7 says this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Can you imagine that? Jesus Christ. There was no reason. There was no reason that compelled Jesus to lay aside his position. There was no reason that compelled Jesus to come down from heaven, to make himself like a man, and to suffer on the cross. Nothing. He had all the rights, but he didn't cling to them. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And we look at this and we say, wow, Jesus is awesome. And he is. Praise God. He was willing to do that. But one little known fact about this passage, did a word study on this in seminary, the word that's used for humble yourself in this passage, it implies an expectation, an expectation that you will eventually be lifted up as a result of choosing a position of humility. So it's an amazing, incredible decision. But Jesus had inside knowledge. He knew that one day, in spite of what he was about to go through, and the fact that he didn't want to go through it, he would be lifted up. And as you, if you look at the end of this passage, it says that, in, in fact, Jesus was lifted up. He was exalted to the highest place. And he opened the door for salvation for the entire world through his choice. So when you and I see people that have the same attitude as Christ, humbling themselves, lowering themselves, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's mom, maybe it's grandma, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor. And you just say, I can't believe this person. I can't believe the way they live. I can't believe the way they give. I can't believe the way they serve. It's like they, they, they don't even come across their own mind. They don't even consider themselves. And that's exactly what Jesus said in this passage. Consider others better than yourselves. And when we see that, we're infused with hope. Right? This is different. This is not what I expected. This person is breaking the rules, and I don't like it a little bit, but I like them. You know, I don't like the way they make me feel, because I'm not like that, but I like them. So in this situation, when we see this kind of person, not only is God glorified, when we see another person humble themselves and take up their cross daily, but we also have a deep, abiding confidence that that kind of person will not go unrewarded. That when they choose to lower themselves, when they choose to humble themselves, when they choose to serve and sacrifice as Jesus did, they will not go unrewarded. And this inspires us to do likewise. You know, in the same way, when we were spending time with Rob and Cheryl, it impressed us, Gracie, me, kids, to follow in their footsteps. But in reality... They're merely following in the footsteps of the one who could easily, 
easily. He could have called down legions of angels. He could have smote. There's a biblical word. He could have smote the enemies. He could have easily avoided the cross and left you and me to pay the bill, right? Easily. But he didn't. He sacrificed for us. So the bottom line today is that sacrifice is a catalyst. Sacrifice is a catalyst for hope. And in this world today, when we're so accustomed, right? Every time you go to a place of business, your radar's on. And when you sense that somebody's there just to give to give, they're just putting on a show, they're just being friendly to you for a reason, and it just kind of feels icky, they're just giving to get, it's like, it, it kind of, it discourages you. And it inspires you to be the same. But when you see somebody who's different, when you see somebody who serves out of a genuine heart, somebody who gives, somebody who sacrifices, somebody who puts themselves last, it inspires us and it gives us hope. It gives us hope because sacrifice is a catalyst. It's the only catalyst. Because when you see people, just if you just look around you in the world when you're out and about and everybody's doing business as usual, give to get, give to get, give to get, what am I going to get, what am I going to get, what am I going to get? It's discouraging. But if you're around just a small, it doesn't have to be a big group, but a small group of people that are saying, I give, not to give. I give and give and give, but it's not to give. I'm just following the example of my Savior. That it inspires us and it's a catalyst for hope. So what about you today? Do you sacrifice personally? Do you ask God for strength that you might bear the burdens he has called you to bear? Do you sacrifice daily? Is it, or, or do you, or like me, do you struggle with consistency? Are you available to serve, or is your beacon just lit? Right? Got the t-shirt. Wear it proudly. But you ask me to serve, I'm a little bit uh, busy. Right? Do you believe that having the attitude of Christ and humbling yourself as he did is worth it? Say, I was reminded this week. Oh, man. You meet those people that have given up. It seems like they've given up everything. It's like, did you did you leave anything back for yourself? No. You have any regrets? No. God's always provided for my needs. They have no regrets. Is it worth loosening your grip and loosening my grip and being available to serve? I mean, what if we would all sacrifice personally? Right? What if we would cry out to God as we bear our burdens? I mean, if every person on this planet would bear their burdens. They'd be lighter, wouldn't they? Wouldn't it? Isn't that what happens? It gets unbalanced. You're in your family. You're in your community. You're in your office. And, and people are laying down burdens because they don't want to be bothered with them. And it, it becomes unbalanced. You've got a few people bearing a huge load. But if everybody would cry out to God and say, God, this is the cross you've given me to bear. This is the burden you've asked me to carry. And by your strength, by your grace, I'm going to carry it. Or actually, you're going to help me carry it. But if everybody would carry their burdens, and then we didn't help each other bear burdens, as Scripture says, burdens get lighter. The opportunities get bigger. And the change spreads. Because it's a catalyst for hope. What if we would all sacrifice daily? You know, what if we were spirit-filled and ready to go at a moment's notice, right? How, how, does, how is the soldier called to be? 
What, what, what does the military do to be ready? Do PT, right? They stay physically fit. They stay ready at a moment's notice to be deployed. Right. So what if we were like that? What if each one of us was just waiting on go? We don't just have the beacon lit, but we're ready to answer the call and be deployed at a moment's notice. What if we were a group of people who were inspired by the attitude of Christ to humble ourselves and to serve Kind of what could God do with a group of people like that? Then it'd be a big group, it's a small group. We could be a catalyst for hope. We could be the people. We could be the person that inspires somebody to keep pressing on, that inspires somebody to give something up for something better. Something better. And when it boils down to it, that's what God wants for you. That's what he wants for me. He wants us to have a better, more abundant life. But he knows that if he can't get our hands unclutched, ready to release, then he can't give us anything better. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for this day and uh, for these, these scriptures, God. We're so thankful for your sacrifice, Jesus, and your willingness to lay down your life for our benefit. We pray that you would inspire us this week to be, to recognize, God, the sacrifice is personal and that it's daily and that we just need to be available, ready for you to deploy us at a moment's notice. And God, we just pray that you would use us, use this body of believers to be a catalyst for hope in our community, in our workplaces, in our families. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.